Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. We're talking all things gravel for our new seven-part podcast series here on Bike Radar, hosted by yours truly, Catherine Moore. From getting kitted out with the best gear for you to route planning, dipping your toes into gravel racing and simply why we love hitting the path less travelled, we've got a mega panel of special guests and in-house experts lined up for you. Welcome to the first in our new seven-part podcast series chatting all things gravel. Unsurprisingly, we're going to start right at the beginning, looking at how gravel riding has exploded in popularity over recent years and checking out the things you'll need to get started if you haven't caught the gravel riding bug already. To kick us off, I'm joined by two of BikeRadar.com's keenest gravelistas, who both come at gravel riding from slightly different angles. When not enjoying the miles of exploration around Bristol on their gravel bikes, you're more likely to find Tom Marvin on the steep tech testing mountain bikes and Jack Luke going long on one of his eclectic steel road steeds. <laughs> <laughs> it's also my pleasure to welcome cycling photographer, endurance racer, hammerhead ambassador and and Epping Forest Mud Specialist Tom Gibbs to join us for this opening episode. You should definitely check out his photography on Instagram at Bicycle Factory if you haven't already, because it's absolutely stunning. Welcome all. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Catherine. Hello. (laughs) So uh, let's start at the beginning. I think it would be really cool to find out exactly how you each got into it, because I know that you've all been gravel riding for a few years yet. How about yourself, Tom? When did you have your gravel riding introduction um my gravel riding probably came on a product launch um i guess five or six years ago now i went on a mountain bike fork product launch um from an icelandic brand 
uh, called Lauf, who had a 60 millimeter leaf sprung mountain bike suspension fork. Um, the original one that they sent me for testing wasn't amazing. And I wrote as such that I didn't think it was very good. Um, <laughs> and they updated the fork uh, and made like a, a slightly stiffer version. I went out there for their launch and, and got to know those guys. And through conversations with them, they, they ended up uh, creating a gravel fork called the grit which was the same concept but with 30 mil of travel um and because i'd ridden the mountain bike fork they invited me out to ride the gravel version of it and i guess that was you know in a true gravel sense with you know drop bars and narrower tires that was the first time i'd properly probably really ridden gravel um and i kind of caught the bug from there riding amazing gravel roads in in iceland mm, yeah i mean that's quite a uh luxurious start <laughs> to the world of gravel yeah, riding it was, dream music. it was uh, it was uh, yeah it was it was a good it was a good introduction um but since then um yeah it's certainly fair to say that my and i think i i'd had i'd long ridden road bikes um you know, I started here nine years ago and I spent a lot of time working on Cycling Plus testing road bikes. Um, and while I, I went through bouts of enjoying road bikes, I'd say the majority of the time I didn't enjoy riding road bikes. <laughs> um, but there are aspects of road cycling that I really did enjoy. Um, and uh, Gravel kind of took those uh, and ran with it a little bit. Uh, and we end up now where... Um, Certainly in terms of kilometers ridden, I'm probably almost 50-50 mountain bikes and gravel bikes. Crikey. And if you cast your mind back to that very first ride in Iceland or those first few rides, what was it that struck you that was different? Um, I think it was that merging of... So on the road bike, you know, you get your head down, you sort of churn the pedals away for 80k, you know, you it's a, it's a real good... Uh, cardiovascular riding experience you know you put in a lot of effort in like constant efforts uh, and that's something mm. that mountain biking doesn't often give you unless you're riding a very boring marathon race um but i certainly missed that uh sort of that exercise element but i also really enjoyed the fact that i wasn't riding on tarmac that you know that the ground under the tires was ever changing and moving and and the landscapes that it, it allowed you to get to where you wouldn't go on a on a road bike because uh you'd be rattling around at the, then on like 25s getting punches a left right and center um and also you probably wouldn't bother going on a mountain bike because less efficient you know like and if i'm on a mountain bike i want to go and ride single track um mm. and so yeah it just gave me like uh another medium to go and see amazing places and ride sort of really cool surfaces that still challenged you a little bit technically but also gave you that fitness challenge that i was sort of maybe missing um on the mountain bike nice nice how about you tom gibbs i know uh tom marvin's just set the bar very high there with his <laughs> first ride in iceland <laughs> how did you get into it yeah uh for me it's nothing as extravagant as that <laughs> Um, I, I started off, um, as a lot of people did on road bikes. Um, I kind of progressed to fixed gear bikes after that. Um, and then around, I'd say probably six years ago, uh, I, I noticed things popping up online, people, you know, getting more and more into gravel cycling. Um, and so what I did is I had a Genesis Equilibrium, uh, steel road bike which could take uh, 28 mil tires. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, huge whopping, whopping, right? 
And uh, so, so I put some of those on and I just thought, right, okay, let's go and see what this is about. And uh, so at the time I was living in Oxford and um, I was like, right, okay, where can I go? Uh, obviously closest place is probably the Ridgeway. So went up on the Ridgeway with this, with this road bike and just, just had so much fun. Um, so much more fun than I had road cycling or, or anything else. Um, and it just kind of really kicked off from there. So you say so much fun, like what could you actually pin that down on? Um, I think for me, what it was, was the feeling of escaping the city, um, you know, on a kind of mini adventure. The, the downhills were so much more fun than on road. And it was that that just got me completely hooked, just kind of flying downhills off road. Um, not having to worry about traffic mm-hmm. um, and and just yeah and the, the terrain the scenery it just it all just kind of fell into place on that on that first ride really. Nice nice and Jack what about your sort of gravel genesis have you always been doing it or is it something that's you know only been the last few years? No I I, um, I cut my teeth more as a mountain biker than anything else for most of my teenage years. And when I was at uni, as I like to mention at any given opportunity, I grew up in Scotland, uh, in the Highlands, and uh, I really, really enjoyed mountain biking there and I was spoilt with all sorts of fantastic riding. But kind of as Tom alluded to, it's pretty boring if you're riding between places just on gravel roads. Um, But there you could link up some really amazing glens and kind of passes over hills that would be pretty tedious on a mountain bike, on a gravel bike. So before I really got into road riding, I built up a gravel bike, uh, probably around 2012. And that's really all I did for the very longest time. I didn't properly get into road riding really until I moved here for this job primarily. (laughs) Um, So no, I've kind of been at it for a long time. And for me, what I enjoyed about it was you know, I was making the use of the amazing terrain I had around uh, and the kind of joy of being away from traffic, but also from a route planning perspective, it often made sense where there would be a more direct route that you could take on fairly, you know, rideable gravel roads that avoided big, massive loops on busier roads. So it was sort of a, a practical thing and a good opportunity to to go out and and see new places. And my goodness gracious, great for Instagram too. I mean, really. <laughs> I knew you'd be a trendsetter there, Jack. What was your first gravel steed? I had a Genesis Crude Affair from 2012, which I got for £100 off of Pink Bike for the frame set. And uh, I built it up with a mix of XDR parts, a far too big chain set, bar end shifters, and I rode that bike for years and years and years and years. I absolutely adored it. Had very generous tire clearances for the time. I think you can get like 45 mil tires on that bike still. Crikey. Um, yeah. The only thing that's quite odd about it is the bottom bracket is uh, incredibly high. It's kind of like cyclocross high. It feels very strange when you ride on it. And I still ride it to this day. It lives at my parents' house in Creef. Oh, with nice. With a nice uh, 105 group set on it now. And it's more of a road bike. I love it. It's very wholesome. Thank you. <laughs> very wholesome. And you, Catherine, how did you get into gravel riding? Yeah, well... Again, I had quite a glamorous intro in some respects in that I was on a trip. I was just sort of getting into the bike industry and somebody asked me very last minute, there'd been a dropout for a trip to ride for three days around the Cairngorms. And I was like, sure, yeah, I'll go. Uh, Up on this Caledonian sleeper train, which is an experience in itself. And then uh, out on these bikes, literally turning out of Fort William 
onto the first gravel track. And I was petrified because I was a roadie who'd only ever crashed on gravel corners. <laughs> so you can imagine how that went for the first day. So sketchy, terrifying. Um, but I was in really, really great company. And by the end of the three days, I was absolutely hooked. But actually, before that, I remember doing um, a Rafa Prestige event around London. And the whole point of those were that uh, they were sort of like a team sporty even groups of four but there were little sections of I'll just I'll just say off-road rather than gravel itself but um on 25 mil slicks that was really spicy and actually really good fun and I think that sort of opened up this uh road bikes off-road vibe to me which yeah I really really enjoyed I never really looked back really for me I really enjoy getting away from the traffic and getting into these really remote places and I think Gravel was definitely a gateway drug for me to getting into mountain biking, which is something I've been doing a little bit more in the last couple of years. Um, completely different skills to what you'd need to use for road riding. Getting used to the sensation of your bike moving on the terrain underneath you <laughs> was something that has taken a really long time to get used to. Because obviously, if you're just riding on tarmac, that's the last thing that you want to happen. And yeah, again, like a bit of a transition into bikepacking, which again is something that I know that a lot of you have been really into and something that probably goes a lot more with gravel riding. Is that how you got into bikepacking, Tom Gibbs, through off-road riding? Yes, it is. Yeah, it kind of happened pretty quickly, actually. Um, I think I, I found out about gravel at around the same time as bikepacking. Um, and that just really intrigued me, just being able to strap a few bags on. Um, because at that time, for me, it was, it was literally just some dry bags strapped onto the, onto the bike. Um, and just being able, allowing me to go out and just have this adventure with, you know, without having to spend too much money or go particularly far, um, to have this, this great experience kind of right out of your door. Definitely. And I think one thing that's, perhaps aided the sort of explosion in popularity of gravel over the last few years particularly is that we've all sort of been cooped up in our local areas um so you get to see a completely different side of your local terrain is that something that you found tom having like lived in the same area for a little amount of time mountain biking and then you said road riding but then trying gravel has that opened up different tracks yeah totally there's um yeah, a lot of, you know, if we talk about just Bristol, there's there's so much sort of gravel riding or like off-road riding that you know, I just wouldn't bother on, on a mountain bike. You know, a lot of the time when I'm testing bikes for MBUK, they're, you know, longer travel things or they've got big sticky tires on there and they're a bit of a bit of a drag, to be brutally honest. And um, yeah, so I mean, I, pr I probably ride like cross-country race bikes on a lot of the stuff that I also ride a gravel bike on. Um, but the gravel bike's been a really good way to sort of explore the area because you're you're less constrained by the effort it takes to get places because it takes less effort and and generally speaking I think my mindset when I'm on a gravel bike is very different to that when I'm on a mountain bike you know on a mountain bike I'm looking for adrenaline and where's well, a really fun track and I'll suffer on the climbs just sort of have you know make sure it's fun on the descents and so exploring is is something that I probably don't do so much on a mountain bike because the risk to the reward is is the the ratio is not quite good enough whereas on a gravel bike you know the I don't mind going for a longer ride. I quite enjoy sort of maybe putting some efforts in up some hills. Um, and if you hit a track that is maybe quite mellow, 
still quite good fun on a gravel bike. Um, and if you hit something that's not very mellow, um, it's terrifying on a gravel bike, which is also <laughs> kind of fun. Um, so yeah. yeah, it really opens your eyes to to what's out there. And yeah, so it's just I just find myself much happier doing a longer ride on a gravel bike just because I'm I'm there to ride a gravel bike, which for me is a, is a longer ride thing. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. At IKEA, your dream home is a blue bag away. No matter the size of your space or budget, we've got everything you need to turn your dreams into reality. And now with new lower prices on hundreds of our most popular products, bringing the dream home is even easier. Like the Gray Strandom Wing Chair was $369, now $299. And the IKEA Plus 365 nine-piece cookware set was $129.99, now $89.99. And hundreds more. Shop new lower prices at IKEA-USA.com today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yeah, definitely. And I thought it was really interesting. You corrected yourself there. You said about riding gravel trails and then you corrected it to off-road trails. And I think that's a really good caution to put in for anyone that's listening from the UK or potentially Europe. Like I know in a lot of early gravel marketing stuff, we see these pristine, amazing, long, wide gravel roads that go on for miles and miles. It's not really like that in the UK, is it? No, there's there are really long, pristine gravel roads in the UK. And, you know, even down in Bristol, you've got the the National Cycle Network, you know, often they're sort of cinder stoned paths, which really are lovely to ride. And you can ride them on a road bike with with skinny rubber. But I think for the most part, the British gravel scene does seem to be a little bit more harking back to maybe the 90s mountain biking or the adventurous side of things or the Rough Riders fellowships and all that. And and going out and exploring the countryside on, on stuff that isn't tarmac is basically what I get mm. from gravel. Is it tarmac? No. Ah, oh, let's go on a gravel bike. Yeah, I'm sure Jack's got some good uh, alternative names for gravel riding. Uh, yeah, Narmac, <laughs> that's the classic mm. out there. Grode. <laughs> None of them particularly creative, I have to say. The, the, the kind Mixed of... media, I quite like. Mixed media, that's really funny. The, the sphere and sort of scope for coming up with new creative names for gravel riding is is pretty limited now. The, the, the world of Instagram really has hoovered all the, the opportunities up. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I once heard somebody uh, describing UK gravel as mud and terrible roads. Yeah. I mean, that's fairly accurate. Yeah. <laughs> there are, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of forestry tracks. You've just got to be in the right place for them. You know, like the Forest of Dean and, and South Wales have got amazing sort of proper, in inverted commas, gravel riding with miles and miles and miles of uh, of gravel roads and head up to the up to scotland and again like the highlands and the cairngorms and even the borders you know there's tons out there but i think most people don't live in those areas and a lot of people do gravel ride from home like I, it's very rare that i'll trip my gravel bike in the back of my van to go gravel riding whereas with my mountain bike it's almost exclusively drive out the door and, and park up somewhere yeah that's one of the other great things about it is it's just so much 
more accessible that you could just swing a leg over and off you go and sort of make it up as you go. Whereas I'm definitely with you on the mountain biking thing and that you want to seek out specific trails that you can progress on or get a bit of thrill or whatever. So yeah, definitely good in that respect. So if there's people listening and think, okay, right, now is the time. All my mates have got a gravel bike or, you know, getting into it. What do I need to get started is there like a kit list of stuff that you have to collect before you can go gravel riding, Jack? Or No, I'd say Tom uh, uh, has kind of perfectly illustrated it in that, you know, provided you're kind of realistic on the terrain you uh, ride on, it's all, in all likelihood the bike you have will be uh, more than enough to certainly dip your toes into the world of gravel riding. Um, on more tame terrain, narrow tires are absolutely fine. Um, and if you have a modern road bike, even in all likelihood, it will have clearances generous enough that you'll be able to comfortably ride on gravel with, you know, 30 or 32 mil tires. I'm sure all the listeners as well will no doubt be uh, screaming at their headphones when they say back in the day, people would gladly ride on 22s over this. But the fact is that it is more comfortable on fatter tires um, and kind of experimenting with that. Uh, side of things on your bike is is the the key thing to make gravel riding as uh, fun as possible. But beyond that, not really. I think the only other thing I'd recommend perhaps changing if you are a road rider would be your pedal system. SBD SL pedals, speed plays, time, all the kind of three bolt uh, cleat systems, none of them play particularly well with gravel riding. That said, um, I've done lots of gravel rides with SBD SL pedals and it's absolutely doable. So don't let anything but your imagination hold you back. <laughs> I think that was very valid on the pedals. I've definitely wrecked a few uh, plastic cleats oh God, by yeah, yeah. getting a bit too overexcited with the exploration. Mm-hmm. And they come back looking like a like a cracker on the bottom, all crusty and that wafer thin, yes. Yeah, after wading through a stream the other day, I had to get John, my other half, to literally pick out my hooves because there was so much mud in my cleats <laughs> that I couldn't clip back in. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. And Tom, I know that you've been involved with quite a few rides around Epping um, and your local area. Do you find that there's people on like all different types of bikes, like mountain bikes and gravel bikes, or do you find that everyone sort of has to have the same thing? Um, yeah, I mean, in my local area of Epping, people are on every bike imaginable. Um, you know, you see people going around the forest on hybrids, which is is perfectly fine. In fact, they're probably they're probably just as as good as a gravel bike, really, because most of them come with 35 mil tires, right? So, um, and they've probably got a much wider gear ratio than than any any kind of modern gravel bike. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, you see people on absolutely everything, which is great. And I mean, gravel cycling is is a new thing within the industry, but it's people have been riding through the, the woods on bikes for for years and years and years now. So it's that's not the new thing um i guess i guess the kind of technology around it is what's is what's changed yeah definitely i think certain things like disc brakes that we brought across from mountain biking have made a huge difference um and you know these wide tire clearances and just having really good tires has been a total game changer for me um heading off road and you know how confident you can feel in the winter splashing through a puddle or going through a muddy boggy bit uh, and actually having some grip which is quite novel um 
But like, you don't have to have all these things to start off. As I said before, like my first experiences were just on 25 mil slicks. It was brilliant. And in fact, sometimes, so there's these, these phrases like over biking or under biking, right? And sometimes being totally underbiked, i.e. not having wide enough tires or enough tread or whatever is really fun. It makes things really <laughs> spicy. And for me, that's part of why gravel riding is really fun because like Tom said before, like you can go down these single tracks uh, that might otherwise be quite boring on a gravel bike, on a mountain bike, sorry. And all of a sudden they're really fun again. Totally. Yeah. Um, and, and I think there's, I think within gravel cycling, there's fewer um, barriers to entry, I guess, because you can just go out and do it on pretty much any bike. Um, it's, it allows the whole thing to be a bit more inclusive than than other you know, sectors of cycling that I've experienced. I think generally speaking, I was going to say, just generally speaking, I think the mindset, the vibe of the gravel riding scene is a lot less toxic and accessible. And in my kind of experience with the, the racing side as well, if that's what tickles your pickle, is, um, I don't know, it's just a way less heavy atmosphere than a road or, or mountain bike race. Um it's uh, definitely about the taking part rather than the hard competing. Of course, you can go as fast as you like on a gravel bike, but I think, uh, yeah, for the sort of club side of things, you know, um, it's definitely more friendly than other parts of cycling, I would say. Nice. Not you mean mountain bikers, Tom Martin. We're horrible. Oh, you're <laughs> super elitist. Can uh, you not jump off that? Oh, you're rubbish. That's how we all talk in the car park. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think that is? Do you think it's because, you know, it's relatively new in terms of its history and it doesn't have sort of a lot of heritage and tradition built into it already? Or is there some other reason? Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I think the sort of, um, I don't know what would you call it, sort of touch points, cultural touch points in gravel are much newer. And the sort of, I don't know, it's just been embraced as a sort of slightly counterculture thing at a grassroots level obviously it's gone full marketing now and you can go as corporate <laughs> as you want in, in gravel <laughs> but certainly it's uh like the um unbound when that first started up i mean that was a pretty wacky out there event for very strange people to mm. do and i think gravel's psyche is based a little bit off of that um yeah i think that's a fair assessment i think it's remarkable how much of an influence one very highly regarded event has had on shaping the whole gravel sphere because, you know, a lot of companies look to that event, look at what people are riding to make judgments on how they how they uh, make their kit. A lot of events companies look at that and see, you know, well, obviously something's working well here. Um, I just think it's awesome that you can have these gravel events or races where you're literally lined up as just an average person next to pro gravel cyclists or former pros, um, yeah, you know, you don't get that sort of opportunity in road racing. Go on, Catherine. You can be smug. You have ridden it, so. Uh, <laughs> what was it like? Did you enjoy it? It was incredible. It was amazing, and I got to chat to so many people from all over the world, which I think was amazing. Um, there's so uh, at Unbound Gravel, it's based out of a little sleepy little town called Emporia um, in Kansas, which is you know just un you know unremarkable in any other sense, but during Unbound Gravel Week, in every single hairdresser's window or uh, in every diner, there's big signs up saying, welcome gravel riders to Emporia. And, uh, you know, 
in the supermarket, there was a map up. So we just went in to get some snacks ready for the race day. And people could put a pin in from uh, where they'd visited in the world. And they're, you know, amazing global coverage because it's sort of um, the one of the OG gravel events. Mm. Um, so just this amazing community feel. And of course, uh, there were people at the front there. Um, Such as you. Who were... <laughs> no, who were like really putting an impressive time. I was just trying to get around and um, ended up making friends for life as well, which was wicked. So yeah, I would highly recommend... Wholesome um, again. If you do get the chance to just, yeah, dip your toe in the American racing scene, because it is fab. You can see why people really do travel for it. I'm not for the podcast, but I'm actually really annoyed that I can't remember which former pro it was that I technically beat because I finished and they didn't because they had about 10 punctures. <laughs> <laughs> it was some, yeah, Dutch. Yeah, anyway. We'll keep that in. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remember it at the end and be really pissed off. Okay, cool. So obviously besides certain physical things uh, that can help but are not totally necessary, what other things do you need or do you need to work on uh, to get into gravel riding? Like are there any particular skills that are helpful to have or develop? This is quite a pointy question, you can tell. <laughs> I think the one thing that you mentioned, when you, Catherine, when you said you got into cycling was how you'd come from road and you'd you'd crashed on gravelly corners and the, mm -hmm. the feeling of the bike moving under you with traction levels that are not at a hundred percent is something that does uh is th maybe threatening or difficult or like a bit uh unknown to a lot of people because obviously when you're riding Definitely. a bike normally as, as a, a leisure cyclist or a, a road cyclist like as you say the the plan is to not have your tires mm -hmm. skidding sideways or yeah. whatever um but i think if you are able to uh almost embrace that it makes gravel riding a little bit more fun and confident and just trusting your equipment i mean if you took someone who's super experienced at riding gravel bikes or mountain bikes and put them on your bike they could probably control most little skids and little bits of movement so the bike can do that and the bike is designed to be able to do that the tires are built with nobbles on them in order to add a grip when it's needed and so it's a confidence thing it's a skill set thing that is something that you can work on you don't have to go out and push hard and skid around every corner and throw up some roost on your gravel bike Oops. but <laughs> as cool as it looks but <laughs> Just trusting the process, trusting the fact that if it happens, a lot of the time nothing bad is going to happen. And if something bad happens, you'll brush yourself off and you'll actually be all right, I reckon. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because with road cycling, typically when you get into it, um, a traditional pathway would be to join a club and then you get people like helping you along, teaching you how to draft or, you know, certain skills. I certainly did and I was very grateful for it. And then with mountain biking, coaching is a really big aspect and that's something that really help you get your fundamental skills and body position, all those, you know, really fundamental elements there. But for gravel riding, it's sort of this grey area in the middle where I haven't really come across any specific coaching or um, clubs are quite often in their infancy. It's sort of a thing where you just, I think you just have to go out and do it and practice, right? Yeah, just go and have a go. Like that's, I think that's part of this whole free-spirited thing of just cracking on and and having a go like 
I mean, I'm not, I, I've never really ridden much gravel with other people. I, I tend to do it fairly solo. But this whole like, yeah, grassroots, you know, go and do your thing and everyone's super friendly at races, you know, that's that's part of the whole thing. I just go and having a go and being a bit more, less rigid about how it's done. There's no rules, really. Yeah. And I think I, a few people might relate to this listening, but for me, it was very refreshing to try something new and be terrible at it. And I think you just have to embrace that. Um, because I was quite competent road cyclist and then put me on a gravel bike. And every time we came up to like a muddy puddle or anything that looked vaguely technical, I would instinctively unclip one foot so Mm. that I was ready to dab. And I'd have my friend Lucy behind me saying, clip back in! (laughs) Mm. Um, Because I was just a bit scared about it. But, you know, that's something that I've just learned to overcome in time. Is that something, uh, Tom Gibbs, that you found starting out on gravel riding that you had anything that you had to work on skills wise or is it something that you'd already developed from fixed gear riding um not so much with fixed gear riding more with uh kind of rigid mountain biking guess um yeah i i definitely done a bit of off-road riding before i did gravel riding um but yeah you know it's it's for me it was definitely about just kind of letting the bike go and, and and trusting the bike in that way um i found that when i if i were to tense up say if it, you know a rough bit of terrain were coming i'd more likely to be off balance mm. by that but actually just kind of not gripping the handlebars so tightly just just letting the bike go would often allow me to kind of get down the terrain easier Nice. And what about other skills? You're a very uh, accomplished bike packer. Are there other things that have come with it besides actually the bike skills that you've had to learn to enable you to go off on these big trips? Um, yeah, so I guess camping is is a big one. Um, for me, I kind of do a few trips a year. So the camping element of it is probably the one that I am least familiar with. Um, I've, you know, I've got, I've got all the equipment, I've got everything. Most of it lives under my bed for most of the year. Um, obviously I go cycling a lot, but it's the camping thing that for me, um, has taken the longest amount of time to learn. Um, there's the, you know, obviously you can go as technical with it as, as you like, um, ultimately, it's about bringing a tent and something to sleep on and a sleeping bag, um, and just and just getting out there. But there's there's quite a bit of refinement to to the camping experience that I found makes everything go a lot smoother. You know, if you if you have the right thing to sleep on, you're going to sleep a lot better. For example, um, so yeah, those those type of skills are definitely important. Um, you know, you're you're never going to get a totally luxurious sleep when you're sleeping, you know, on some nettles or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are certain things you can do to just give you a bit of a better experience, I guess. Definitely. It sounds like if you're anything like me, it's something that you learn through trial and error, right? You find a fabulous sleeping spot next to a wall that's a bit sheltered and you think, oh, yeah, that worked really well. And then the next time you accidentally camp somewhere really open and we've got absolutely freezing in the night <laughs> and it's a big learning curve. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just it's it's just on, ongoing learning, isn't it? It's, you know, you, you know, every time I go out, I learn something new. 
um, which which I love about it. Um, so yeah, it's uh, that's that's one of the great things. I think. Nice. I think another really important aspect of gravel riding um, that's perhaps different to mountain biking and road riding, if you've come from those different aspects, is the navigation and knowing exactly where you can and can't ride. And I think that's very varied for different territories, whether you're in the UK, different parts of Europe. Uh, If you're lucky enough to be in Scotland, then of course you've got Right to Rome, which gives you access to a huge area of tracks. And I'm very envious of everyone in Scotland, as I'm sure Jack misses it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Would you have any tips, any of you, for um, getting into planning, just briefly planning your own gravel routes, because we will be coming onto this in a future episode of just where to start looking for gravel rides near you. If you want to go kind of old school, the best place to start is with a uh, OS map locally. They can be found, this isn't for the UK, I might add, uh, Ordnance Survey maps mm. cover the whole of the UK. And um, they are the easiest way to determine precisely where you can and can't ride. And in brief, for bikes, you can ride on uh, byways, um, byways open to all traffic, bridleways but you can't ride on footpaths and then there's some other kind of uh, access land that you will have the option to ride on so for example in wales you can ride on any forest roads but it sort of depends on your territory but having a look at the map in your local area and uh, learning how to read those little dotted lines and determine what they (laughs) they mean is probably where i would start um it's good for developing your map reading skills generally because you know apps like Komoot or strava or ride with gps all various options um, they are very, very good for route planning, but you do need to sort of have the base skills for um, determining where you are. And also, like the OS mapping in the UK is the golden standard for determining what a route is. Um, so I would personally start with that. Um, and, you know, there's plenty of guides online for kind of explaining map uh, legends and so on. But then if you're not feeling quite as confident, the likes of Komoot is probably the leader in terms of recommended rides and recommended highlights, for example. But Strava and Ride with GPS also have uh, equivalents of those. And, um, you know, they will tend to have the community saying whether or not this is a good section. They give it ratings, they give photos, you'll get an idea of what the terrain's like. Um, that's a great, great place to start planning your routes. Um and as a fallback, as Tom alluded to earlier, uh, the National Cycle Network should not be overlooked. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> these routes have been planned with quite a lot of uh, sort of research and I've never been disappointed by them. Uh, in bigger urban areas, they can be quite circuitous and they'll go through all sorts of various random places. But in more rural spots, generally speaking, uh, the National Cycle Network is, is, is a real gem in the UK's uh, riding scene and should not be overlooked. Any other tips for finding gravel hotspots in your area from the Toms? <laughs> yeah, I, I would say, um, like what Jack was saying, the, the highlights on Kamut are, are really useful for me. I've, I found it to be really useful um, because you can you can go to anywhere pretty much in the world and have a look on Kamut and see the places that are closest to you, which are worth checking out. So then you can design your route to include those highlights in, in a big loop if you want to. Um, so, yeah, that's been that's been awesome for my riding, actually. I think I'd probably concur. Uh, I'm pretty lazy when it comes to <laughs> route planning, so I generally just jump on 
come out and find like roots created by this person called Catherine in my local area and just go and yeah. do that. And I think all bar one has been great. <laughs> oh, what was the one that Catherine found oh, that wasn't good? Go on, spill the beans. I, I feel terrible. I feel terrible. No, go for it. I, I didn't enjoy the monarch way. There's a lot of oh, field that's boundaries. that's very grassy. Yes. And a lot of gates. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> Where's the monarch way? <laughs> it goes out, uh, like, I think it's out past Yeah, Puckle Church, yeah, all that sort of area. And, uh, yeah, we won't go into that. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the other thing, right? You you've could got to explore, you've got to find these certain... things, right? route one time and it'll be really totally. fun but then by the next time the farmer might have plowed yeah. the field and it'll be like almost impassable yeah. or it's rained um, and, and a then of course have been over it and created a bog, a bog. exactly yeah. yeah or like you know how it rides in the winter might be completely mm. like, total mud fest mm. like you get home and you're gopping whereas if you ride it in the summer it could be dry dusty smoothed out fabulous like it definitely does uh, involve a lot of seasonality. I had a crack at another Catherine Moore classic, the uh, Bristol oh, 360. No. Route. A brilliant route. <laughs> brilliant route. But Legit I, brilliant route. I tried it in the middle of December and I got half the way round. I, I, I did warn enough. you. Bloody hell, it was a hard day out. <laughs> that is a, that's a savage one. And I'm looking forward to doing in more... Uh, Temperate times. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm looking forward to seeing how you get on with that. I think only a handful of people have actually done the whole 360 around Bristol. Oh. Um I've done it twice. Including. All right. I've done a summer and I did a, uh, a midwinter. <laughs> just put it out there, just put it out there. You don't get a medal, oh, Tom. what? <laughs> There's no Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, I think my tips for finding routes, I absolutely love route planning, um, but I know that not everybody um, shares my enthusiasm for that. It, local events. So if you've got somebody in your area who... Um, again, really likes putting on events and routes, then that's a really good place to start and can give you lots of ideas. Or literally just going out on a ride without any route loaded onto your head unit. And just, you know, if you see a sign for a bridleway at the side of the road or a trek that looks really tasty, just take it. What's the worst that could happen is that it's no good and you have to turn around and come back. Um, it's a very different mindset, I think, to perhaps road riding where, you know, you're going out for 50K and you just sort of get your head down and go for it. But um you know, why not just have a little explore? That's certainly the way that I've found a lot of trails. It's good fun. All right, so we'll just wrap up by asking each of you what would be your one hot tip for somebody who's just starting out, like absolute game changer thing or piece of kit. Tom Marvin, kick us off. Okay, my one piece of kit that I think every gravel rider should have. It doesn't look good. It isn't cool. <laughs> but it is a well the one i use is a mud hugger gravel hugger rear mud guard um they do a front one but it doesn't work very well with a lauf fork but it will work well with uh, many other forks but mud guards um are the real difference between uh, certainly in winter spring and autumn and many summer rides mm-hmm. uh getting home or getting around dry and relatively comfortable or getting around with a soggy ass which just <laughs> isn't that fun like i don't use one on a mountain bike i'll use one on the front but not the back but on the gravel bike it's just it really does change just the whole comf- you know if you're going to be grinding out like 80k or eight hours or whatever you don't want a muddy paste uh, down the back of your shorts uh for various reasons um so i would say nice. a shoe <laughs> fashion and svelte lines of your lovely sexy gravel bike and stick a mug guard on there i think you've both offended jack and also pleased him there by 
knocking mud guards, but then recommending them. I'm a mud guard man fanatic. <laughs> a road a road bike is incomplete without mud guards, as far as I'm concerned. Fender fanatic. A fender fanatic. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say a, a... Jack, what would be your help tip? Uh, luggage is not a crime, which oh, I know will annoy no, Tom Marvin no. absolutely endlessly. You do not need to hang <laughs> endless numbers of bikes <laughs> off your bike if you're going for a gravel ride. Just use your pocket. Uh, well, I, I, I love st- overstuffing pockets. And if you are riding somewhere more remote, you know, being able to take all the snacks you could ever want in a little uh, baggie on your bike and away from your body is not only more comfortable... I dare say more hygienic unless you have particularly well-sealed uh, sandwich bags. Um, I think that even a small handlebar bag really, really just makes gravel riding and road riding a lot, lot more convenient. So, a, a small bag. A small the, the ones I'm just going to put. I'm just going to interject. Interject right. away. Go for it. If you're going to do a 30k ride around Bristol, right? You don't need your full frame triangle stuffed full of bags. <laughs> I'm really sorry. That is my little bit of elitism coming out. But what if you get benighted in Lee Woods, Tom? I mean, you could you could be facing a night with the the boars. <laughs> oh, God, the, the obsession with carrying everything with you just my head in. Well, uh, that's why I mentioned Each it primarily to, to entertain you. <laughs> but no, a little handlebar bag. I think with your tools, your snacks, your spare layers, all the various bits and bobs you can need. Um, is not only fantastic for convenience, but will bag you. Haha, <laughs> extra Instagram uh, bags. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> How about you, Tom? What would be your hot tip? Um, I think the thing that made the most difference for my riding was uh, going from inner tubes to tubeless. Mm, great shout. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's not totally vital. You can totally ride off road with inner tubes that's absolutely fine um but what i noticed when i went from more uh gentle terrain to gnarlier terrain is that i was having to reduce the pressure in my tires to give me that sort of comfort on on the terrain um and as i load the the pressure i was finding i was getting so many pinch flats right so i'd have to stop every two minutes fix the puncture start again stop fix another one um so so yeah going tubeless um just was a total game changer basically basically if anyone doesn't know tubeless is uh when you ride obviously without tube inside the tire and you replace it with a with a sealant so if you get a a puncture the sealant uh blocks the hole like magic um so yeah that just that really changed everything because it meant that i could just go out and ride and basically not ever have to worry too much about about punctures nice i definitely concur it's always amazing when you take off a gravel tire at the end of its life and you find like all these little thorns and things so you've punctured loads of times but you didn't even realize i love that i think totally, yeah <laughs> I think... yeah and you can you can you can kind of afford to Obviously, it's not the best thing to do, but if you do roll the rim on a rock or something, it most of the time it's going to be absolutely fine. Um, obviously, if you do it too hard, it's going to totally ruin your rim. Um, but it, if you did that with an inner tube, it would 100% give you a pinch flat. Mm. So, so yeah, that that was a that was a big difference that I noticed. Yeah, I re- I resisted it for a very very long time. <laughs> I was like, this is just another gimmick that the cycling industry is trying to sell me. Um, and as soon as I did it, I realised that actually there might be something in this. 
It is true. We did sit around in the Bike Illuminati uh, HQ and decide how we were going to push sealant on the masses. Do you remember that meeting? It was it was a good one. We all drank sealant out of big uh, flagons. Yeah, then we moved on to Centerlock Rotors and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, what would be your um, your top hot tip for the budding gravelista? I think, and this is coming from a roadie's perspective. I would just throw out the data. I love having a head unit with my maps on so I can see what's coming up and where there might be a little track that I didn't know about. But just forget about average speed because you're going to come across all sorts of different terrain and it's that's going to affect, like, unless you're really keen on racing or whatever, um, you can still have a really good fun time without worrying about the numbers too much. And trust me, 100k of off-road is completely different to 100k of road. And so you'll probably need a lot more snacks. <laughs> how do you know if you're having fun if you don't know how many watts you're doing? You know, I mean, that, that's, how, <laughs> that's how it works, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a very different experience. And of course, different for everyone. Um, I'm not really into the racing side of things, although I do enjoy riding races um but perhaps that's that is in fact one for another podcast episode coming very soon where we've got a couple of uh, really interesting and accomplished racers joining us to talk about how to get into racing if that's something that will tickle your pickle well i hope that you've enjoyed listening to this one as much as we have debating uh, the best way to get into gravel riding thank you very much to tom gibbs tom marvin and jack luke for joining us and you can find a lot more gravel know-how on bike radar from these guys so do go and check it out online if you'd like to read some more we've got plenty more gravelly goodness up our sleeves coming with some excellent guests so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss the rest of our gravel series here on the bike radar podcast Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 